Welcome to episode number 14 of Developer Melange, the podcast about developing software in the 21st century directly from Vienna, Austria. Developer Melange brings you regular discussions about everything software development. You can find us online on developermelange.github.io and you can follow us on Twitter at devmelange, that's dev, M-E-L-A-N-G-E. We are very keen on learning what you think about this show or the podcast itself. So please reach out for us on Twitter or leave your comments on our website. We appreciate all of your feedback. And we are your hosts. My name is David. I'm an enthusiastic software professional from Vienna, working on a bunch of different environments and technologies. My name is Christian Haas. By day I work on safety-critical software in Java and C++, and by night I develop on open source in Go. My name is Peter Kofler. I'm, uh, my nickname is the Code Corp. Obviously, I am fanatic about clean code. And my name is Paul Rohotzka. I'm a software developer with the heart of a tester. And for the second time, we are very happy to have Martin Schimak as our guest. Hello. Hello. Welcome, Martin. Hi. Martin introduces himself on his website and says uh, with, he fell in love with coding at the age of 10, but later he left his love and studied business and law only to find out that's awesome for programming business software. In the 15 years since then, he talked to energy traders, telecom people, wind tunnel experts, and many others. They formed a hands-on domain decoder with a passion for DDD and a soft spot for long-running services. Martin is a trainer with experience in 50-plus companies and 10-plus countries. He regularly speaks at meetups and conferences across Europe and from time to time in the U.S. Welcome, Martin. Thank you, Paul. Welcome. You, you, you seem to stumble up, uh, upon the wind tunnel expert. <laughs> yeah, for the second time. <laughs> it's, uh, it was actually uh, uh, a real, real cool project. I was in, it, uh, in a few years ago, five years ago, um, obviously in Munich for an yeah, automobile. <laughs> ah, <okay. Company. laughs> I, I thought it would, would have been actually in Vienna because I no, think a few me. years ago there is this, uh, uh, a few months ago I've been to an excursion in this large uh, Vienna based wind tunnel that is used for ah, railway really? stuff I didn't know that yeah. uh, so I've it's the largest one in, in ah, okay. Europe yeah. and it's really big so they claim it's the largest one but the, the people I met in Munich claim that this is definitely the largest one. No, no, they, they can, you can put, I think, a 100-meter train in it. Really? And you can, yeah. Ah, okay, so this, is a, different, this yeah. is a different league. And there are actually two uh, different tunnels. There's the one tunnel ah, for okay. the really large trains. Ah, okay. They can make any wow. weather besides hailstorm and, yeah. and wind uh, and sandstorm. That's the single thing they cannot produce there. But they can make uh, wind, wind speeds for up to 300 kilometers per hour and temperature ranges that are insane and make uh, light exposure that is really great so to have all the, um, to test all the, the mechanics of the terrain and especially the, how it is uh, for, the uh, for, the, for the passengers of the train. How do they feel if the weather is outside really, really rough? Cool. And, and how it's in the 22nd district. Really? Yeah. That would it's be a really place to record the next episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, it's and there's a... There's well, when, I, when, I, when I do something like this, I want to do it in a, in a, in a sandstorm. 
Yeah, but that's the, <laughs> that's the thing they don't do because they say afterwards they would have to paint all the all the interior after. Yeah, because the sand takes away yeah. the coat. But is this, is this open for public uh, visits? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was a part of a Xing organized uh, group, but there there are open Xing? possibilities to you can to probably go there. hide in a train before they're putting it in. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting <laughs> to see what, what they're doing. <laughs> and yeah. then step out and during the weather. <laughs> and what did you... When they test their new trains. Also the, the, the old um, S-Bans. <laughs> the blue white oh. ones. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's just for the newer ones, yeah. Miles per hour of wind. I must say, I actually love that we are starting a, a de de developer melange uh, talking about a domain. Yeah, kind of leads us to our top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to stop chatting? I see. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, last episode we already talked uh, about the two meetups that you are running, and one of the two meetups is the DDD meetup, the Domain Driven Design meetup. Yes. So, Martin, uh, don't you want to tell us what is behind this DDD, this triple soft D? Actually, you wanted you wanted to tell what is behind uh, the main reason. Just wanted design. to. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah, David wanted David to. David wanted to Ooh, say. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wanted to say kind of. I mean, it's not a it's not a it's not a test, but it would be interesting um, to learn about um, perceptions actually, because DDD is is one of those uh, yes uh, acronyms um, and uh, I actually always think that. Those labels, you know, and also acronyms and, and buzzwords about topics um, are already kind of a uh, of a problem in itself. Really? Um, Do you think like but, this? Yeah, I, I, but when is a when I even avoid those buzzwords when I okay. actually try to That's get some messages across uh, in a project. Then I, I never speak about. Yeah. yeah, I always I get you, I get you, yeah. but I, I I think I'm not sure. So you said DDD is already a buzzword then? DDD by now, I would I would think at least in a, I mean it's still it's still a, it's still not a very common and broad knowledge in the developer community. I would say so. It's still a certain area of people speaking about it. In that bubble, it's it's a buzzword by now. It's perceived to be. I've uh, recently I've seen um, the um, InfoQ um, architecture technology rather something like that, and they uh, they think it's it's by now um, actually mainstream. So they they have it. Uh, it's not even early majority. I would believe it's it's either early majority or late majority by now. Mm -hmm. Really? Yes. And what is the, the typical archetype of person that is interested uh, in, in DDD? Oh, that's a that's a tough one. Okay, so it's a it's a broad one then. But I I, so I, I really I can can we go back to this buzzword topic again because yeah. I really thought about this a couple of times uh -huh. already. Me too. So when when yeah. does a thing get a buzzword? Right, my definition: a thing gets a buzzword if if business starts to talk about it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is at least what to agile happened in my opinion, but, right? But it definitely happened to agile. Yeah. Um, it happens to DevOps. It happens to DevOps, yeah. It I mean, it happens to, to basically everything teams. that one could also argue it happens to basically everything that, that, that gets close to being mainstream at a certain point. 
But mainstream is and not bad by definition, right? It's not bad and by definition. Buzzwordy is bad by definition, what, right? What could be related is um, I don't know whether you know that that effect that every pattern can also become an anti-pattern. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's and it could be related that um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's it's really difficult actually because I also do not like that elitist uh, approach to yeah. to topics. You know that mm -hmm. uh, that people then start to say, yeah, but real agile or real DDT, yeah, yeah, nobody yeah, knows yeah. how it really should be done. Modern well, agile, it's called now. Uh, I, <laughs> Safe, I, right? I, 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 it's anyway. I actually else, don't yeah, don't like all of that um, because what it's uh, what is what is it worse when you cannot um, practically apply a, a little bit of it. I think um, it's because so we are hype-driven. We are hype-driven environment, right? That's why we start to get a problem with words if they are too long in our space, right? Because they're not cool enough anymore, and we need to reface the stuff and give Maybe. it a new name. And this I think really it's just the number of people me. using it, and if something becomes mainstream, then there are like a lot of deviations from. The true form, which maybe there is not even a true form. You just said you don't like the true form because there is no, no real thing. It's like everything has depends and context, and yes. and maybe some people use it in a way that was not meant to be. Might still work for them. Doesn't matter. So if too many people use it, there will be just uh, a number of like mutations. Uh, what, and then what, it's and becoming a buzzword. That's true. And what could also happen is that when it becomes too interesting from a commercial perspective that yeah. maybe maybe certificates. Uh, quite a few yeah maybe <laughs> certificates it didn't happen yet um fortunately in the in the domain driven no, no because no, the domain driven masterclass it, it didn't happen <laughs> it didn't happen for a very specific reason because eric evans doesn't want it but does he own the term like he doesn't he own the term but he is still Influential enough. Okay, I would maybe say explain that, that who is community. Eric Evans to our audience. Well, Eric Evans uh, wrote that kind of original book um, about uh, domain-driven design, also um, called the Blue Book. The, also called the Blue Book. So complexity uh, in the heart, tackling complexity in the heart of software. Um, and yes, he's the also and the uh, kind of Excellent original. Excellent tagline, in my opinion. Yeah. I like the tagline much more than the title, right? Yeah, well, it was. It also was in that time when everything had to be driven. Yeah, we had mm. behavior-driven development and test-driven development, and this was then domain-driven design, actually. So, yeah. mm. but also driven. <laughs> well, if you drive three things at the same time, you will maybe produce a crash, right? <laughs> well, I think it's proper. Right? So, it's a domain is domain is the foremost thing, yeah. to my understanding. Yeah. So, it's a kind of. So what, what I what actually do not, uh, because you we, we mentioned it, what I do not like about that original name is actually the, that driven part. No. I, I, because it, it kind of indicates for me a bit too much, um, you know, that, that it's the domain experts which drive everything and then the development follows. But it doesn't really, say domain really experts. In my mind, more well applied, it would be more that um, working together would really on, a, it, on a uh, high level. Focused development then or design? Is it like is that better? Sometimes I just design? I just call it domain design. Okay. It doesn't have to be driven by one side, but so it's interesting it's that you see it like that. So is, is that from your experience that that like it and uh, domain driven design might be more um, domain expert driven, or is that like kind of an anti pattern you see? 
It clearly is. You can you can see it happening. I mean, what what from my experience, I can definitely tell that you can um, see that mindset that uh, the domain is leading, kind of um, what is then happening in in software development. You can see that mindset uh, happening on the domain expert side as well as on the software developer side. I would say, and I actually do not really like it. It's uh, it's really more about. Uh, collaborating on an eye level and it's also that both sides um, have uh, knowledge um, that the other side doesn't um, have that much not not in depth um, and um, it really has to it really has to um, that that um, seeing really has to influ both sides have to influence each, each other so there are ideas that are coming actually out of maybe more technical, more software-driven considerations and other things that come out of the domain and then it becomes fruitful when you speak about all those aspects and so it's, it's again that all one, one side is leading. It's again all about collaboration, right? Yeah, that's very my, much so. That's my hypothesis, that all this stuff is actually about collaboration, right? Yeah. If you think of, of Scrum, Agile, it's about enforcing collaboration. If you think of BDT, it's about enforcing collaboration. If True. you think about DDD, it's about enforcing uh, collaboration. <laughs> And if you think about TDD, in my opinion, it's also about enforcing collaboration, right? Yes. I, I would, I would yeah. think you can look at it like that. Yeah. And I would also think that we know that uh, since a very long time. Yeah, we know uh, this. We just said that uh, Agile by now is a problem, has become a problematic uh, term even. Because it but it is... Uh, I can tell you in two actually, I can tell you in two sentences why it got a problem, HL. In my opinion, no. it's pretty simple. It was enforced by developers, right? It, it, was, it was driven by developers, right? To, to, to make the, the life of developers easy, right? They took it away from developers, right? Put it again into process, now it's useless, right? That's, that's the problem of HL, in my opinion. Yeah, it's pretty simple explain. Well, right? that would be a topic uh, for that, another. That's, uh, that's <laughs> interesting and would probably a topic yeah. for another. So, so okay, the, let's. The people <laughs> who created it were consultants, not developers. Yeah, but they were yeah. developers. Yeah, a consultant is. I'm also a consultant at some point, but I'm still doing development, yeah, right? You're one of the bad guys as well. A different kind of. But, a, but an aspect <laughs> that maybe fits into our discussion um, is uh, now that you mention it, that. For example, in the, the Scrum framework, which is not Agile, but it's the Scrum framework, but um, in that um, area, um, you have that idea of having a product owner. Yeah. And this is, uh, to a certain degree, yeah, right. it's also to a certain degree an idea that, um, that is uh, designed from a developer's perspective yeah. um, and is reflecting the need of developers to say there is a dedicated person, this is the only one, so we have a very narrow... Um, tunnel via which information may flow to us um, and it's understandable and also has its upsides but it's also dangerous again in the in the sense of um, everything is funneled through yeah. to development in the form of prepared requirements exactly. and we do not work together to actually work out what yeah. we should yeah, because do. often it's a proxy so to the real user. Are you user. propagating no product owner movement? Um, Does it exist? And like Movement is a password, in my opinion. <laughs> well, it's like no estimate, so it's a password <laughs> again, no product owner. But uh, I've heard of teams that like have no product owner and still can do, uh, like, uh, can be productive. And uh, I think it yeah, depends um, on the complexity of the domain, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I must say, I have no personal experience with uh, with uh, with that. 
Um, so I but do you see like product owner is a bit of an anti-pattern or can become an anti-pattern? Can definitely become an anti-pattern. From the perspective of understanding the domain. I'm I mean, we have that, we mentioned we have that proxy phenomenon. This is a topic in itself. But uh, in my but opinion, then, yeah. In my opinion, the product owner has a very important role in it's not knowing all the domain of the, the whole product because this should be spread in the team. But the product owner is the guy who has the vision, right? And having one guy who has the long-term vision and the big picture on the product is, in my opinion, very important, right? But I think that's, again, somehow another I would, topic. I would rephrase it. I mean, I would actually think it is connected to our topic because um, it would, uh, of obviously, it would be great to have such a guy. But the thing is, um, if you have somebody like that who, is, who really has that vision, I mean, then it's, then it's great. Huh? Um, but if you don't have that person... But why do you do it then? If nobody has a vision for what you're doing, why do you do it? Maybe you have, uh, developed, you have, a, maybe yeah. you have <laughs> developed a vision together or there are several people um, who would, um, by collaborating, develop a, a vision. So I think it's a wrong idea to assign kind of the role of having the vision to a person but which I eventually doesn't I already have it. I think that's the wrong, uh, at least in my um, experience so far, I think you should have a vision before you start doing something and not start doing something and create a vision out of it. So I think uh, a product owner which has a very clear vision what he wants to achieve with this team for the next, I don't know, one and a half years is, is very powerful and very important when it comes to... Yeah, but how often do you have it? I think that's the very that's often the you, you just yeah. have to evolve the vision together. I might no. I think this is this is also depending if you do product or project development. Exactly. I think in product yeah. development you have product owners which usually have a quite clear vision, right? In project development I don't know, yeah. Yeah. And a good product owner is really a, a, a tough role. I think it is you, you cannot really learn this, right? There are no, no certificates. Yeah, I think there are certificates yeah, for product owners. Yeah, at least a certified uh, Scrum product owner ah, or something, okay, right? Yeah. There's uh, sure. certificates. Mm. But no. that's good to know. So maybe I might uh, do the domain driven design architect certificate. So the Blue Book by Eric Evans is from 2003, 2004. Yes. I think. So it's 15 years now. What did it at that time back then bring to the table that was kind of new or what was mm -hmm. fresh in it? Yeah, that's a good one. I would think that, uh, that the book back then um, was an antithesis uh, to everything that one could um, call um, an idea of having something like an enterprise-wide model. Yes. So mm -hmm. I think this is uh, this was a very important um, thing that 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 book brought to the table, is that you actually have to, to um, that you have to, um, to uh, already in the problem space that you have to think about um, certain different areas, and that you also in the in your sol solution space when you design a solution that you um, that you should um, watch out for. Um, models and parts of the overall solution um, which are small enough so that you actually can uh, build a meaningful model for that part. You know, eventually that's saying all models are wrong but some are useful. So an idea of domain-driven design, um, one could say, is uh, a useful mo model um, has to be small enough to... Mm -hmm deal with a certain kind of 
my, uh, my understanding was always that abstractions back at these days were based on, on very technical aspects, right? Not true. Uh, the the layout, but nobody told them to be like that. Nobody told them to. Uh, fully like correct. Yeah. Architecture. But there's this great article we talked about is in the, in the microservice meetup in, in the in the in the meetup chat afterwards from mm -hmm. um, from Joel um, Spolsky. Don't let architect uh, architecture also not scare you, right? And I think this this yeah. showed very good how the world was back then, right? Where he thought reusage and, and finding models for reusage is actually totally wrong, right? You should find models which fit your domain, and this is actually where the blue book came came into it, right? Yes, yeah. Yeah. So for for me, when I read the book, started reading the book mm -hmm. ten years ago or whatever, uh, this one aspect that you mentioned was really good to know. I don't have to have this perfect model for everything and it has to fit and I just have to think about it hard enough and then the perfect and the single right model will come out. So I don't have to have this. I can have a little bounded context and it can be a little model that is dedicated, that is dedicated and purpose. right for this or good enough for this part mm -hmm. and the model next to it can be different and will mm -hmm. be different mm -hmm. and that's powerful and that's allowed and it's even a pattern to use yeah. not an anti-pattern that you have yeah. to get rid of that was the one thing and the other thing that really eased my mind was we don't have to have the, the technical decisions and architecture decisions right up front we learn so we build a model, we try it out, we see how far it takes us. And if we find, oh, it doesn't feel right or we cannot fulfill some requirement with the current model, we have learned something. And then we probably know to get to a somehow better model. Yeah. And that's mm -hmm. really what, what I really liked about this book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in, 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 certain, in a certain sense, um, one could also say, I think it would be fair to say that in certain areas it was a, it was ahead of its time because it's it's already showing this idea of having um, you know high uh, cohesion in certain areas and then uh, low coupling in between those uh, areas yes. that are highly cohesive uh, inside uh, and this is something that of course late much later on now with much more distributed systems and uh, ideas of microservices and on. Um, exactly. Yeah. And I think that was later. Do you really think it was it yeah. was an invention, or because Peter said this a couple of episodes ago, did we just again lost the contact to the people, right? Because actually, developing software was always there to fulfill some kind of domain need or solve some some domain problem, right? And um, from from this perspective, this is just an intuitive way, right? How how you should model your application, right, based on the domain and not based on. on but I think as we as, a, as as developers or technical people are always so concerned about our technical problems that we have to solve to get something to get something running and up and running. It's really easy to forget about the people that we are building the software for. So to, mm. so to forget about the business people and to forget about the domain and see the domain modeling as a as a secondary thought. Mm -hmm. And I think that is one reiteration, maybe of maybe bringing back a topic that has been more prevalent the years maybe, before maybe, yeah. and bringing it up again for the, for the current audience of okay. 2004, maybe. I know here two different aspects. So one aspect is like you just described, Paul, about the uh, being more in, in tune with what was originally requested compared to just doing something something technically fancy. And the second thing is that I've not heard from before was that this DDD came out from if the, the thing that you are solving 
or and or implementing is too big to have a unique answer. So you have to separate it. You have to divide uh, and conquer. Divide it, divide and conquer, as I say. And so this then for me brings a question: Is there an, an, a certain size limit for applying DDD? Then I would say that. Yeah, for sure. If it's too small. If it's too small, no. Yeah. You mean a certain size limit of the overall project to yeah. apply DDD? Yeah, um, size limit, complexity limit, some sort of, is it a rule of thumb? Is it the, the interesting question that comes up here is, uh, again, what is DDD? Exactly, yeah. Um, because um, also already in the in the original book, you have you have those two um, original books. I, 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 by the way, say original book because there is a community nowadays. And my perception is DDD is uh, not a, a book anymore. So it's, it would be wrong to speak about domain-driven design as being a blue book and that's it. It was just the original spark. Um, and there are many also books, by the way, um, even if you just count the ones that mention domain-driven design in the title, uh, you have around 20 or, or something like that by now. Um, What did I want to say? <laughs> <laughs> well, if DDD can scale, this was a question. If DDD can scale, exactly. In, in not the original, scale, uh, whether or not you uh, have a, a, a size, size more, limit. Is there a size limit? Yeah, in the, in the original book, you have those two um, classical kind of parts of domain-driven design, which would be strategic uh, domain-driven design. And this is that um, high-level bird's-eye view, um, looking at uh, real large Uh, problem and solution space and make up your mind um, how would you actually like to split it apart into manageable pieces. Um, and then there would be the tactical part um, which kind of deals with okay and what um, what could be uh, good practices to apply within such a, uh, a space. And um, when I speak about uh, space now in this loosely term I mean the uh, Strategic design calls it bounded context. Um, um, so everything in, in domain-driven design is about language. Um, and um, the, the language and the concepts that we use um, to model um, a solution for a certain problem. So um, that bounded context, that context, language in its context would just mean, as a starting point, it would actually just mean it's a kind of namespace, you could say. Um, for but then not just for names but also for concepts that you use um, to model a certain problem. And the, the one connection that I just did was coming from, from an area of safety critical applications where there are separate uh, standards and, and guidelines that you have to adhere to mm -hmm. and the one that applies to my domain which is the air traffic management there is a dedicated document that uh, requires certain assurance levels and on the level that we are on for instance you already have to have a complete view of the system itself mm -hmm. and then it's also necessary to do the first level of decomposition where you uh, dissect this one big system into separate components which are then um, which are then required to define their interfaces and what they are supposed to do. So I'm, I'm now with your description of you have to have an, uh, a bird's eye view on the whole thing and then also define okay what's exactly happening within these uh, bounded contexts that you have This for me strikes a, a strong similarity. Yeah, I I I I feel a bit uncomfortable with um, with saying um, what exactly is happening in a certain um, in a, inside a certain uh, bounded context. 
um, because um, what is also a very important um, part of domain-driven design is, is the idea of make up your mind actually of uh, one, could, one could say how much uh, DDD is it worth it inside of one of those areas. So um, in other terms one could say how much, how, much uh, how important is that, that part of the overall solution actually for your business. DDD calls it core domain um, to um, that idea of try, try to find out what is actually, where, where do you have your competitive advantage? Okay. And then focus on that mm -hmm. part eventually to really work out uh, the model and language details very much and work on that in that part, not, not necessarily all over the place. Yeah? Or maybe not, not even not necessarily, but probably better not all over the place yeah, okay, because so it would, would be uh, probably too much effort. Okay, so I, I guess my comparison then falls apart by this. So in, in my view, this uh, first level of decomposition was more, is more considered as a, from a technical point of view in terms of now, uh, from a data flow perspective and now as you describe it, the compartmentation, if I may use this word, is more about, okay, this is now my core domain and this core domain might exist in various components of the whole system. That's also a very yeah. important part okay. when we speak about... I disagree. About, yeah. So I yeah, okay, disagree. you disagree, but let me just uh, clarify so, yeah. in this uh, or um, in domain-driven design, um, it's not about uh, it's not about modules or deployment uni units or stuff uh, that right. we speak about, but we speak about uh, basically model and language boundaries on that uh, on that level of uh, strategic uh, coarse-grained domain-driven design. Yeah. Okay. Now, no, now I can disagree <laughs> because I, I see no reason why like the the components of our architecture and and no I say it differently. So the components of our architecture in the first sense are like cut following the domain. And it's not I wouldn't say that's related to domain driven design, but when I have like a big application and it's like uh, it, it's naturally consisting of components, then these components will contain slices of the functionality. So they are, yes, they are uh, closed and, and they can only be closed if they're actually closed. So they like naturally will be something like bounded context. Because they're like, they need to be closed to, so we have like defined interfaces on this uh, software, uh, like components and other components talk through these interfaces. So we cannot have a lot of communication, so only a little bit of communication. So you say if you build cohesive systems, you will have domain driven design for free. I'm not saying that because we are not. This does not include actively finding domain concepts and identifying yeah, yeah. them. Right, yeah. But at least I have uh, components that are kind of uh, contain some logic that that goes together. I mean, there is no. Uh, if I understand you correctly, I would say there is no real contradiction because the idea, because domain-driven, the idea and the strategic part would be. Um, because we focus on uh, on meaningful model and, and language and uh, areas of knowledge first, yeah, uh, then we would say, okay, of course, the idea of bounded context is make that as explicit as possible. So find ways in your solution space, could be even deployment units, which are in line and aligned with um, that model. Yeah? Yeah. So the more explicit you also reflect that in your technical setup, the better those things are aligned. Yeah. Um, but it's domain-driven in the sense, do not start uh, with the technical perspective first, but look at 
uh, at the problem domain first, derive from that um, what do you actually, how do you want to, to slice that yeah, down? So it's, a and then you so it's a different yeah. approach and I think it might be easier to end up with a reasonable modularization or compensation like following coming from that because when I'm only doing technical things I have to be really careful to like look on my dependencies to, to keep a cohesive system as you describe it. David. But mm -hmm. what's maybe uh, as we always talk about um, technical people I, I didn't hear a single advantage so far why should people actually do this? Why should people follow the DDD practices? What's your opinion on this? What are mm -hmm. the big advantages? I mean, uh, this could also bring us uh, back to to we mentioned um, we mentioned those two parts in the in the original book, and then when you look at the, at uh, at also at the original book, um, what was very important for, for for Eric Evans was that we focus on on language, and that we um, use that language that we use uh, in the domain also in our code. So it, uh, when also when he speaks about model, then it's not a diagram or, or yeah, something sure. that you um, draw somewhere, um, but it's it actually ultimately exists in the code. And then when you look at the nowadays community, how that uh, how that whole domain-driven um, design community developed, um, another very important um, part of. of uh, or even pillar of the main driven design nowadays is, is uh, the collaborative modeling part. So um, and I, s I would actually think that in that part um, um, I see the most, uh, most of the value because um, in that area, for example, in the, in the recent years, um, uh, quite a few lightweight um, collaboration methods developed, like for example event storming would be probably the most prominent example. So lightweight um, techniques and, and tools that you can use um, when domain experts, software developers are in a room together and work on the problem and the solution. But the, the uh, and to, what's, and model what's, what's the benefit if I, if I have an architecture which is really driven by the domain? I mean, in my opinion, that the whole idea of DDD is, if, mm -hmm. I, if you take this, this glass, right? Mm -hmm. Audience cannot see it, but I have a glass in my hands, right? And this is the, the real domain, right? And, and then you build software on this glass, right? <laughs> Because you want to represent this domain in software, right? And if the real world now moves a little bit, right? Then the whole idea is that also the software just has to move a little bit, right? And that has to completely be rewritten, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, that's, that's the, 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 the real power of DDD. That's why I try to do it. That's why I try to model the real world as good as possible into the software. Right? And I think line. not as good as possible, but as, as needed in the way that is needed. And it's not about good or bad. It's about does, no, it, fit? It, does it, it fit? Does it help what does you it need? Does it, or uh, does it not help? What is it a great solution? David, are you talking about alignment? And Paul, you're talking about Yagni, right? No, I, I, no I, I'm I talking see about only both. fitting, so that's like I'm not overfitting, so that's like the minimum necessary, but like what no, you said is like uh, it's aligned. So if the business just changes a little bit, code also needs to change a little bit and not completely. I, I think, think it's this about should be natural, right? If I think it's about being a proper model. 
not about the best aligned or the, or the or the the least effort. It's about the proper model to solve the problem. Uh, and if you if you want to, it's the natural model, right? But I, th I think you but said something very interesting model. and also very important because you said um, the, the the business changes and what then? And the idea is that when you focus on that part and try to um, uh, try to to model that part of the business, it's always just a part and that aspect of the business. Um, very well aligned to the business, and then you focus on that, then you will have a uh, a better life when you want to adapt it. Absolutely. Yeah? I mean, because we, I you think are not starting from from some technical considerations, and then somehow, yeah, for sure, meddled. I think we all know this example, mm. right? When you think and then you code it two days and you found it, wow, this is a really, really clean, nice solution, right? And you have modeled the problem very well and then uh, on the demo or one day before the demo you find out actually you got, you forgot a small thing, right? Because you talk mm -hmm. again to the business owner to tell you, you forgot a small thing, right? And then you have to totally remodel everything because your model doesn't fit anymore, right? And in, in my opinion, this is what, 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 what DGD is about, understanding the problem domain and finding a matching model. Exactly, and, and I really like your, your example with the glass, because if you say, <laughs> I want to model this glass, yeah, I can model very different aspects of this. I can, yeah. I, ca I can model something to contain fluid. I can uh, yes. model something that is this size. I can model something that is made of glass or whatever. Yeah. And I can I can put all my effort into modeling the wrong thing, yes, perfectly, but not needed to solve the problem of the business. Yes. And I think that is was was the main driven design is for me about is to to talk about the the people in charge, the people that really can explain what they want and why they want to have it, to understand what what is the aspect of the of the thing that you perceive and what you perceive is the is not the same that I perceive, so. What is the thing that we have to model to get our benefit, our really user benefit? Yeah, yeah for, sure, for sure. I mean, uh, you can always uh, look at the thing from different angles. I mean, from a from a, it's a developer's melange, and uh, from a developer's pers perspective, Paul, uh, probably your arguments would be convincing because developers, uh, at least some bit more experienced ones, have that have that knowledge that. Um, when they do not uh, think about the problem and try to model the problem in the software, they will end up with problems later on. Um, of course, from a, from a more business perspective, this was probably not that much convincing. And I think your, your question no, was I probably more going in the direction of what is the value no, I think the value is, is, is um, pretty clear, right? It, it, it enables being mm -hmm. building I wouldn't say evolutionary software, but mm -hmm. building software that is able to adapt to business changes. That's the, that's for me the, yeah. the selling point. And this idea. brings us also back to it's a long-term <coughs> thing. For, for yeah, sure. And uh, for sure. It has, uh, there's a relationship again to that idea of focus on your core domain when you do that. Uh, it's, a, it's a more long-term thing. It will not pay off in the short term. I wanted to make the relationship uh, in terms of Bringing back the, the glass example again, the difference can be, uh, just from a technical point of view, I can model a glass with refraction capability of containment size and weight and what have you, whereas the original problem domain, the one that we want to solve was, get some beverage from the, from the bar to the customer. Mm -hmm. With the vehicle of a glass, and the purpose of it is to be, like Paul said, a container of liquid. Mm -hmm. And from a technical perspective, you could get lost in details of whatever physical properties a glass yeah. had, which are not relevant for yeah. the domain. 
yeah. the actual yeah. problem that's being solved have some yeah. container. And here we are, I think, at a point that is very important um, uh, on a more on a more tactical level, and that actually, in my mind, every developer should understand is that 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 thing of model the aspects that you need of reality and do not fall into the trap of oh i already have a class in that model so uh, let's add another thing or attribute there and maybe maybe that that is not related to the to the solution that you wanted to achieve there at all it so immediately sparks my association with all test driven and behavior-driven starting with examples. There's a very close and, relationship and of outside those things. outside in thinking yeah. and development. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I yeah. saw a, a buzzword uh, quote recently, <laughs> uh, not recently, many years ago, but now it comes to my mind. It's like uh, BDD brings together DDD and TDD. So that's what you said, but maybe it's too many buzzwords. Uh, or I can't <laughs> say whatever. <laughs> no, <laughs> actually, it's, it. uh, <laughs> I mean, in the end, it's for me, it's all about understanding the problem you actually need to solve as developer, right? And, and DDD helps you in, in achieving this because if you if you talk about um, collaborative modeling and stuff like this, it helps people to understand what is really the what problem, is really the problem and uh, what the community focuses on, focuses on on the in the recent years is really um, what could be um, what could be um, tools that, that enable that, that process of finding that out together, um, working together and, and work on the, on the solution. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people in the community, when I first heard them talking like that, um, for example, Matthias Veras says, spend 80% um, of your time um, on working, the mo working out the model together. Yeah? And this is a very... 80% of what? Also 80% of developers' time. Is uh, work on the problem together with the domain experts. At least when you work in such a decisive area, where where you really say, okay, here we have our competitive advantage, yeah, then it's not your job as a developer to sit at the uh, at the keyboard yeah, and hack all the time. But then you're not a developer. Anymore. It's really just. It's really time. just. What's and, the difference? Uh, and this brings us to a perception thing. How do we but actually I, I, perceive ourselves yeah. um, as developers? What is our job? What do we do? That, that's that's and my... Yeah, maybe you're not so a coder anymore, that, that's but the, that's, developers do. That's the problem I always have with this um, DDD thinking, is how, how much expert must the developer really be to be able to write software? Do you know what I mean? How, mm. how much business expert? And, and I, I, I met a lot of developers who, who would hate this. They yeah, say, definitely. I, I would quit if I can only spend 20% of my time with coding and I don't want to. Business should explain me what I should do and I will do it, right? <laughs> but let me <laughs> say this. It's also not, uh, it's also not something that, uh, that applies for everybody probably. Yeah? For, because for sure. there, are, there yeah. are more technically driven parts of our job. There is an overall solution and not everything is in that heart of the software. So there are many, many things around. Yeah? There are all these non-core domains that have to be developed. There are also, there are also there are those <laughs> non-core domains, supporting domains, generic domains, um, domain-driven design calls it, um, where um, thinking about a model might not be that, that decisive. Yeah, and there are yeah, also, there are also uh, supporting technical, many technical cons concerns around. I mean, I personally, if I uh, were a developer uh, now, in 2019, I would say think about um, 
what will what will actually stay ten years from now on no, in so. our job? <laughs> I would argue. I would argue. Um, Ola seventeen. Uh, focusing on that area of being a domain developer, yeah. focusing on the domain, um, this this is the thing that will stay. Because uh, mo modeling that um, problem for the solution and bring that also bring that uh, that uh, solution sure. yeah. into the code in a maintainable way. This is a, a skill that, uh, yeah, in certain areas it will even done by computers too. But um, no, it's it's actually the everything infrastructural part, right? around, and we all already see it with all those developments going on in the direction of serverless uh, computing. That those infrastructural concerns around that, um, yes, it will exist, but will be probably just a few people on the planet will which really do that that kind of work yeah. but in the, the normal kind of company which tries to get closer to that competitive advantage again and will also employ some developers which kind of developers will that be in 10 years from now on i would say the main developers no? people who focus on that that's what that's what reminds me on, on the book from Uncle Bob where, where he also asked his questions will developer be at some point in time obsolete right and he says no because actually development is the lowest level of specification right and specifying the domain in codes with domain driven design is the lowest level of specification right so if you think of being codes being the lowest level of specification then of course it needs to be domain driven oh. Um, it, it also ties in a little bit with that observation eventually, I mean, a um, few years from now on when we have uh, sorted out uh, a few more things, <laughs> we are still a young, uh, a young um, industry as, as a software industry, but then, then coding might still be fun, but it could really be just uh, 10 or 20 percent that needs to be done and is done uh, once you know what you want. Yes, you need to do that, but it's really just a, a part of the overall job and not mess around in code all the time. It's probably not so such a good idea anyway, isn't it? I would really hope that this will happen, <laughs> but I'm not sure. I saw this yeah, already no, we, five we, years we, ago we that still we find, see find all those companies with languages. developers. And yes, and there's still cobors, I guess. Yeah. You will still be able to do spaghetti also no, in 20 I, years. I, I thought that, that I think five years ago, I, I thought that actually in, in this time now we will have more domain-specific abstract programming language than Java and Scotland, right? Really, languages just focus on, on driving a program or driving development by, by, by focusing on the Wasn't domain, that the right? plan already 10 years ago with 4GL and then 50 years ago with COBOL? Or I don't know. I don't know when COBOL was. So that's always the idea yeah, and it always it, fails. It was. Uh, it failed. Uh, it failed again. Mm -hmm. It will probably fail again. But then I also often think um, this doesn't exclude that we stepwise actually get closer to that to that original goal. So it will still need developers, but maybe they will also be business experts. Yeah, yeah. Or, like kind yeah. Of, or at least yeah. communication experts. Yeah, communication experts a bit uh, interested in the domain um, and, and uh, working out uh, software-based solutions for, for the company, yeah. 
Okay, I guess we talked a lot of things and we could talk even longer. Mm. But that's for another episode it's that we, we have it to felt do. Like, uh, how long did we talk? Five minutes? Ten minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's, what can we say about the local Vienna community, greater Vienna area? What's going on these days? I just can remind everybody that is listening early enough on June the 30th, I think the call for papers for the Agile Tour Vienna this year closes. So take the opportunity to propose a talk. We then can repeat the call or the, <coughs> the advertisement for the Global Day of Code Retreat happening in October, no, November. November, yeah. November, this uh, 16th and 15th. Two, ti two days this time yeah. because they have the 10th year anniversary. So if you uh, want to join a Code Retreat for once or your first time, this is the best opportunity because you have two dates now at your disposal. Don't forget to join Martin's meetups <laughs> at meetup.com. It's the DDD, the Domain Driven Design Meetup, and the by now probably by called now. Microservices, Microservices Reactive and Distributed Systems Meetup, isn't it? Wow, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> by heart. <laughs> I know summer is usually a bit of an empty space, right? There are no, not much happening. Yeah. Might have a code retreat, small code retreat, end of uh, July, but then uh, it's not set yet. Okay. Yes, but and. But which systems are not included in this meetup then? <laughs> 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 what What can you not talk about? Now you Now you got me. <laughs> now you got me. <laughs> a system on a single chip and a single thread. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like embedded, right? That's a, <laughs> a synchronous embedded monolith. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> so uh, before we get too crazy, I guess this was another episode of Developer Melange. And it was awesome. And it was awesome. It was really cool. Thank you. Mm -hmm.